Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church in the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, are you ready for the word tonight? Let's open up to the Gospel of John tonight, okay? And uh, we're going to uh, look, and in fact, that's the title of my message, the Gospel of John, the good news of John. John's good news. <laughs> you know, the writer of the Gospel of John, let me tell you just a little bit about him, okay? Um, the writer of the Gospel of John was not John the Baptist. And, uh, you know, uh, some people get these Johns, these, these two individuals mixed up. But rather, it's that, that disciple, John, the one that Jesus met at the Sea of Galilee, who was employed as a fisherman along with his older brother, James. And James and John, both of them were sons of a man named Zebedee. And their, mo their mother's name was Salome. And James and John worked with their dad and with the hired servants uh, in a fishing business, as it were. And when Jesus called them, he just said, you know, come on and follow me. Then James and John, the Bible says, left the business, left the fishing, uh, you know, uh, to their dad and to the hired hands, and they went and followed Jesus. Now, we understand that James might have been the oldest disciple. I'm not certain, but that's what many people imagine. And John could have been the youngest one called. He could have been, you know, 25 or younger. Uh, uh, but we understand that they both just, you know, just picked up and, and started following Jesus. And uh, these two brothers, Jesus called them the sons of thunder. Uh, he, he, he nicknamed them, as it were. And uh, uh, these two brothers were among the favored trio. You know, there were three favored disciples that Jesus had, Peter, James, and John. And it seems that when he would go places, he would take Peter, James, and John a little farther. They might all go to a city, but whenever they would start to go into the house to raise you know, the dead, he would leave the others outside and take Peter, James, and John in with him. You know, he would take, you know, all of them to prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, but he left, you know, uh, those other, you know, nine waiting on him, uh, and then he took Peter, James, and John a little farther. And then when he went to the Mount of Transfiguration uh, in, in, in uh, Caesarea Philippi, he left uh, those other nine at the bottom of the hill, and he took Peter, James, and John up to the top of the hill with him. I find that to be very interesting, that he had a very close connection to Peter, James, and John. And uh, it, 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 it seems that they were invited in a closer circle, in a closer communion and ministry with Jesus than were the others. And, and uh, we don't know what happened, by the way, uh, in John's life, in John James' life, we don't know what happened to their daddy. We don't know what happened to Zebedee. You know, there are some thoughts and some considerations, but we really don't have a continuing account of what happened to Zebedee after his two sons began to follow Jesus. We don't know whether he, you know, uh, uh, ended up, you know, uh, just giving all of his time to the fishing business. We don't know if he, if he perhaps died. We don't know what happened to Jesus' uh, you know, earthly uh, uh, representation of a father to Joseph. The Bible does not include the accounts of what happened to them. But, but the Bible does include uh, Salome, 
John's mother. James and John and the mother. We know that the mother, uh, their mother, faithfully followed Jesus throughout his three and a half years of ministry on the earth and uh, even followed him all the way to the cross. And then on resurrection morning, she was there also at the tomb. And so we can full well imagine that, so, that Salome uh, was, was a part uh, also of, of, um, of Jesus' inner circle. And there are some people that imagine they know why. I don't. It was John's mother, Salome, that one day when they were walking along together with Jesus and all the disciples were on the road, uh, that, that, that Salome came up to Jesus. You can read about this in Matthew 20, uh, in, in, in verse 20. And Salome said, said, hey, Jesus, I have something to ask you. I'm paraphrasing this. And, and uh, Jesus says, yes, what is it that you would want me to do? She said, well... Whenever you establish your kingdom, you know, in the future, and you really become king, and you sit up on your throne, I would like one of my boys to sit on your right hand, and one of my boys to sit on your left. And Jesus said, well, you know, uh, listen, you know, uh, I understand, but basically, that's not my place. Those seats are reserved for those whom God has chosen to sit on my right and my left. But I find that interesting that she was right there promoting her sons, you know. Uh, and uh, there's reason to believe that the Zebedee family uh, were people of means and had money. Uh, we know that John, who wrote the Gospel of John, we know that John was recognized and accepted by the high priest. We know that, that the high priest knew who John was and he allowed John to come and go into his courtyard and into his house because uh, even on the night in which Jesus was being um, um, tried by the high priest, John just walked into the courtyard and he was welcomed into the home. He, he was known. He was, uh, I don't know if we can say friends or I don't know if we can say family, but it's, it's, it's imagined that, he, that they were either friends or family uh, or, or, or somehow very well recognized because whenever Peter tried to get in, they wouldn't let Peter get in. And John went out and said, no, he's with me. And so they said, oh, okay. And they allowed him into the high priest courtyard where Jesus was being tried. Um, and uh, as well, uh, there is a stone tablet. If you ever get the chance and Israel opens back up for, for us to take another tour there, and we believe that it will, we'll go to the town of Capernaum in the Galilee. And it's the, it's the city that Jesus chose to live in. And archaeological digs in the town of Capernaum have unearthed a, 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 a stone tablet that is a commemoration, a memorial, a plaque, if you would, testifying to the gifts that the Zebedee family gave towards the building of the temple, of the, excuse me, of the synagogue there in Capernaum. So, you know, evidently they were a well-recognized family in that area and participated, at least, you know, they're credited with participating in helping to build that synagogue. Well, uh, Salome is also known to be among uh, the women who traveled with Jesus. Here, James and John, their mother, uh, you know, decided that she too would go along with her boys. That's not too uncommon, is it? 
I mean, think about it today. You know, your, 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 your two sons leave and, 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 you know, start to follow Jesus. And they, you know, and husband's fishing all day or, or whatever. I don't. So she just kind of goes along with him. She's named several times in being in the traveling entourage with Jesus and a lot of other women. And even assisted Jesus on his journey by ministering, serving, acting like a host or a hostess, acting like a waiter is, is, is one of the words, uh, one of the connotations of, of, of diakonia of ministry that she and other women provided for the for the traveling group with Jesus they waited on they served them and the Bible is very specific saying that they also used their own finances used their own substance in order to to uh, uh, serve Jesus and his companions you can find that in Mark the 15th chapter and verse 41 if you're wanting to look that aspect up or Matthew 27 55 and also in Luke chapter 8 and verse 3 it gives some names of some women and many other women including Salome uh, including the mother of James and John were there ministering to the Lord on the road making sure as I would best understand that they had food and provision and lodging and the things were taken care of so that these disciples could sit and learn at Jesus feet and also so that they could be prepared for the ministry to which God was going to one day place upon their shoulders no doubt no doubt when Jesus called James and John to follow him there is not a doubt in my mind that the Holy Spirit did not also say to Salome you follow as well and you serve and you facilitate because one day this weight of the kingdom is going to be upon your sons and indeed it was John as I said was believed to be the youngest disciple and and uh, 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 perhaps James was the oldest but uh, John calls himself, four times in the Gospel of John, John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? You know, Jesus loves me. You know, my name is John. Jesus loves me. I am the disciple. He says, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Oh, interesting, huh? We know uh, a lot about uh, 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 John. He was at the cross uh, when, when Jesus was being crucified along with the mother of Jesus, Mary, and Jesus looked to John and gave the responsibility of his mother to John. How interesting is that John chapter 19. But uh, late in life, we imagine perhaps between the year 90 A.D. and the year 100 A.D. Okay, Somewhere probably in maybe 97, 98 it's not hard for us to imagine that. Some people, uh, some scholars uh, think it could have been a little earlier. Some imagine it only a couple of years later. But most imagine that it was probably in that time period. Uh, you know, perhaps John was, was you know, um, in his 90s. You know, he could have been close to 100 years old. And he had invested himself in discipling a lot of other pastors in that region. He lived in Ephesus at this time. He, he lived in what is now modern-day Turkey. Uh, and uh, there in the city of Ephesus on, on the Aegean Sea. And he had invested his life in, in so many disciples. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, John writes... 
he sits down and he writes 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And he also, uh, you know, uh, writes this letter, this gospel, uh, which we are going to be reading from this evening. And um, as I said, this is John. Let me just read to you what I wrote about John. This is John, the disciple of Jesus, the last living apostle of the Lamb, the man who outran Peter to an empty tomb on that first Sunday morning after the crucifixion, the man who walked into the temple with Peter in Acts chapter 3 and saw the lame rise and walk by the power of just the name of Jesus. This is John the disciple, the man who was put into prison and beaten in Acts chapter 4. He was beaten by the religious leaders in Jerusalem, even though he was well known by them, and he was told never to preach in the name of Jesus again. <laughs> this is the man who was sent to Samaria by the church in Jerusalem. After that Philip had gone down to Samaria in Acts chapter 7 and 8, he had preached Christ unto them. And many uh, you know, in, in Samaria gave heed to the things which Philip spoke, and, and they accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. But, but when the church heard about it, that Samaritans had also received Christ, they sent Peter and John up to Samaria about 40 to, to 45 miles north of Jerusalem. And there Peter and John, whenever they got there, they told them about the Holy Spirit because the, the Bible says that they had not yet received the Holy Spirit, only that they had been uh, saved and they had been baptized in water in the name of Jesus. And then John laid his hands on these believers and they received the Holy Spirit just like John and Peter had on the day of Pentecost. How powerful. This is that John. This is the man who watched his older brother James be arrested for nothing more than preaching that Jesus was Messiah and there taken into prison and then lost his life by the sword. The first martyr, the first disciple to be martyred was his older brother James. We know that Jesus walked and talked closer to John. We find John leaning upon the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper. This is the same disciple who was exiled to the Isle of Patmos later in life, probably by the Emperor Domitian. He was exiled for his belief in Christ. And there, while he was on the Isle of Patmos, a very small island, only about a half a mile across or so, uh, this, uh, this, uh, or 20 miles across, this, this, this disciple received heavenly visions and heard Jesus Christ dictate to him what we now have as the book of Revelation looking far into the future when a tribulation and a great tribulation would come upon the earth and then seeing a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. This is that same John that was repatriated as it was, released at some point and, and moved back to Ephesus. And then later, 
wrote to us this wonderful gospel of John, declaring to us that no matter who we are or where we come from, what claim we have to goodness without respect to, to whether our parents are born again or whether we are involved in the leadership of a church or a synagogue. John wrote to us that we must be born again. This man in his 90s most likely. This man at the close of his life. This man who had seen a lot, had done a lot, and was the last living disciple of Jesus Christ knowing that he was soon to leave this earthly realm wanted to leave us with his account of the life of Jesus Christ wow let's begin reading this letter at verse 1 this amazing book about the person and about the love of Jesus John the first chapter verse 1 says in the beginning I love that John in introducing us to Jesus takes us all the way back to the beginning you know without regard without respect to what you may hear in the future let me tell you Jesus was there in the beginning with God God and Jesus in the beginning in the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Later on, John would say that this same Word took upon flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld His image as of the only begotten. Wow. How powerful is that? The Word. Anytime you read the Word of God, you can replace it with Jesus. And when anytime you read Jesus, you can replace it with the Word of God. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Let no man tell you any different. If you live to be a hundred years old, perhaps like John, and if you see as much as he saw, and if you go through as much as he went through, and if you encounter and carry such a load, and if you have a relationship with Jesus like John did, then at the end of your life you can boldly stand and say, in the beginning was Jesus Christ. He was there with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him. <laughs> Listen, I, I could not be more confident of anything without regard and re without respect to what you hear in the future, what anyone comes up with, what any archaeological find discovers, without respect to how old the earth is, without regard as to whether dinosaurs walked with us before us or are walking after us, whatever, you know, without regard to any other thing, let me tell you that Jesus was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him. All things, everything. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. You know, the life that we now have and the life that we now know is in him. The Apostle Paul would write in Galatians, the second chapter in verse 20, 
that I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God. For I died with him on the cross. I'm crucified with him. He loved me, and he gave himself for me. He would then write to the church in Colossae, the Apostle Paul would say in chapter 3, he would say that if you then, if that's true, if you have been born again and if you then have be risen with Christ, then set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. Why? Because you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? That means that the life that you have, what you call life, is in Christ. It is hidden with Christ in God. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. We are dead. You know, every time I share something at a funeral, I remember that the person who is represented there, you know, the person in that coffin, they're not the dead ones. If they have asked Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior without regard and without respect to what they may have gone through, what they encountered, or how the end of their life came, let me tell you their faith was well placed because Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of their life, He is well able to preserve that which is committed to Him against that day. And they are not the dead ones. I'm the dead one. We're the dead ones. We're sitting here dead. One day, as the Apostle Paul said, we shall be swallowed up of life. In him was life. That's what John said. After all of his years, he looked unto Christ, the author and the finisher of his faith, and he said, not only were all things made through him, and not only uh, you know, uh, was, was he in the beginning with God, but he is life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. This is the most sorrowful thing, I think, that could be written in this testimony. As John is beginning to tell his account, his inspired account, inspired by the Holy Spirit, these words have power. Listen to what he said. He said, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it what a sad account that light shined that jesus came and today life is in him today he is life and he is the light of men and the sad report is that the light is shining and the darkness denies it. The darkness will always do its best to deny the light. But may it not be so in your life. Tonight I'm going to close our message. We'll have to continue uh, with this Gospel of John in these next few weeks together. But let me close tonight by telling you uh, that that reason why John wrote this gospel there is no doubt as to why he told us why in John the 20th chapter as we're nearing the end of his writing in verse 31 
he says these things are these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Christ the anointed one these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you may have life in his name the whole reason John wrote this at the end of his life was to tell you about a light that is shining it wants to shine in your life it wants to give you life don't deny the loving God that gave his son you must be born again let the light in We'll spend some more time together in the coming weeks in the Gospel of John. But what we're going to find is that everything he writes is pointed at his hope that you would believe. And in believing, you might have eternal life. Believe. Believe in Jesus. Let the light in. Let the light into your darkest places and see what he will do. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.